Welcome. You're listening to sermons and talks from Providence Church in Brisbane. We believe that God speaks to us through His Word, the Bible. So we pray that as you listen, you'll be encouraged and challenged to love Jesus and live for Him. For more information about Providence Church, please visit our website, www.providencechurch.com. Father, thank you so much for your word, that you do speak to us through it. And Lord, that we can come together this Christmas day to celebrate Jesus, to celebrate his birth, and to celebrate the great joy that has come to our world in him. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, last Tuesday, this, this Tuesday, the, the Tuesday that just passed, uh, online I came across this news article in The Guardian online. And this is what it was titled by journalist Paul Daly, Christmas joy feels more elusive than ever. Look for quiet contemplation instead. Uh, the subtitle, in troubled times like these, it's hard to know where to find beauty and meaning, let alone joy. Now that, that grabbed my attention, it was getting shared around, so I wanted to read it myself, and so that's what I came across. In the fir- I've got uh, some quotes from it in the next slide. I'll read it to you if it's too small for you. It says this, Christmas, most of us are brought up to believe it's all about joy. Joy about being with loved ones, joy about giving and gracefully receiving, joy about the permission we all have to kick back and be festive. But joy feels as elusive as a tazzy tiger right now. It's a unicorn, a needle in a haystack. I know I'm not alone uh, when I say that this year finding joy feels almost impossible. With the kids grown and only one grandy grandchild left, I can never help but partly feel each Christmas is but another melancholic toll on the clock of rapidly passing life. Wow, how depressing. Was that depressing? That last prayer, we, but you sort of get it, don't you? You sort of get why he might be coming at Christmas with that attitude. You know, the stresses of, of this season and, and overwhelming with busyness and all that. With, with, with the way this year went, you know, every year I feel like I'm saying the same thing, that every year has been hard recently. But this year, you know, the rise of loneliness in our society, the financial pressures we've all felt, you know, rate hikes and inflation, 24-7 news cycles that bombards us with despair and misery. I mean, looking just back at 2023, we, if you remember the stuff that happened this year, there was a huge earthquake that started the year in Turkey and, uh, and Syria that killed over 60,000 people. There's the, the wars that, that are going on, Russia, Ukraine, Israel, Hamas war that, that, that erupted in October as well. And, and the school shooting that happened in Nashville in, the, in the America. Like, these things are still happening in our world. It was, it's bleak. It's been bleak. And we've, we've felt that darkness, haven't we, in our lives. We felt the darkness in our own lives, and we felt the darkness uh, in, our personal, uh, in our personal lives. The darkness out there and the darkness in here. And we keep trying to get by in life, and we keep trying to look for joy and peace in the things around us, hoping that Christmas, when it comes around, joy will be found, but we keep feeling shortchanged, don't we? I think we'd all agree that since the pandemic four years ago, uh, we're still trying to figure out what normal looks like. And we're still trying to figure out where the light amongst the darkness is because there's still a lot of darkness in our world. And, and with the struggle we feel, the brokenness we experience, even in our personal lives, you can understand why people like this are, are writing articles like this at Christmas time. What is there really to be joyful about? Uh, in our Western culture, we're made to believe that at Christmas we deserve really a season of joy, don't we? We deserve it. After a long, hard year, we deserve it, a happy time, a joyful time. And all the shopping centers with the decorations and the street signs, have a merry holiday. Have a very merry 
holiday. And we're led to believe these decorations and Christmas trees and presents and holidays, they're, they're meant to make us feel like this is what joy should be. And it's meant to tie us over until the next year comes around, the next Christmas. We've got to make it till then before we can get joy again. So I think this journalist has a point. With all that's going on in the world, what do we, where do we find joy and peace that will actually last? I wanted us to read from the Bible in this passage in Isaiah. He's a prophet from the Old Testament of the Bible, um, and he's speaking during a time where there is a lot of war and a lot of darkness going on, so that's why some of that, th- those, that part of that reading has you know, stuff about war and bloodshed and all that sort of stuff. But it was during a time where he was looking for peace, looking for hope and joy in his world. This was hundreds of and, uh, years, but thousands of years before us. They were asking the same question. Where will we find light in the darkness? Where will we find joy in our grief? Isaiah was written about 700 BC, uh, years before Jesus showed up in history. And it was to ancient Israel in the Middle East, God's people in the Old Testament. They were looking forward to this this promised Savior that, that God kept telling them about, a Messiah, a King that will rule and reign with integrity and justice and power and authority. But during that time of Isaiah, they were in exile. They're living under oppression, under a foreign ruler. Their lives were miserable. This isn't how it was meant to be. If they were meant to be God's special people, chosen people, why is there so much heartache and grief? Why does life look so bleak and grim? And so God raises up this prophet, Isaiah, to be his mouthpiece, and he prophesies to the people. Now, I'm just going to look at a couple of verses from this reading, but I've got them on the screen. Chapter 9, verse 2, it says this, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. And so you've got this language here referring to living in darkness. That's what they were experiencing. Uh, and, and the Bible's very honest about that. The world we live in has a lot of darkness still. There are wars, there are famines, there are natural disasters, there's injustice, there's, there's, there's bullying and corruption. And while we think the darkness is out there, we all, all experience the darkness in here too, haven't we? Let's be honest with ourselves. There are times where we struggle with worry and anxiety or depression, some of us. There are times we feel inadequate or we, we just don't feel competent. We feel the darkness. None of us are perfect too. There are times where we're proud and not humble. There are times where we're greedy and not generous. There are times where we're selfish and not selfless. We all fall short at times. And if we compare ourselves to God, God who's a God who is perfect, morally perfect, holy in every way, none of us really stand a chance, do we? None of us really stand a chance uh, in comparison to Him. And so for Christians, if you're new to Christianity, new to church, welcome, I'm glad you're here. We Christians call that sin. That darkness in all of us, the sin of our hearts, it's, a, it's really a disobedience towards God, a rejection of Him. It's, a, it's, it's where we fall short of His holiness. There's a, there's a relationship breakdown where we don't want Him as our God and we'd rather play God over our own lives. That's what sin, at the heart of sin, that's what it is. We dismiss Him. And we see the effects of that in our world today, don't we? We see the effects of it in our relationships that are strained in our struggles with mental health, in a world that is constantly in conflict, not at peace, where we feel, never feel like we have enough, even with our abundance, where joy is hard to come by and hope is in short supply. We can't deny it. Humanity is imperfect and we all feel the flaws of our humanity. There's a guy called um, Gus Speth. He's an environmental lawyer and climate change advisor in the U.S. 
And I found this really interesting. He said that 30 years of good science could and should have improved the problems of climate change and sustainability issues. It should have. Like, that's education, awareness, all that sort of stuff. It should have fixed a lot of the problems. Yet he's come to realize the problem isn't so much those things, but the biggest factors are greed, apathy, and selfishness. Things that science can't fix. Science can't fix people's hearts. And isn't that true? We can educate and raise awareness and educate the world on the issues today with poverty and abuse and social justice and climate change, but while greed and selfishness and apathy and pride, they exist, long-lasting peace and joy will always be hard to come by. Sin has stained our world and stains our hearts. And so what we see and feel and experience is the result. Darkness is the result. Darkness is the result when we stray from God, when we're distant from Him, when we're not living for Him. But Isaiah says this, there will be a great light that the people will see, a light that will dawn in the darkness. That means no matter how much our culture thinks self-help books or being progressive or politics will fix humanity, they might help a little bit. The answer isn't going to come from within us. No matter how hard we try to save ourselves, that sin is innate. It's not going to be by sheer willpower. Our humanity will continue to reject God and distance ourselves from Him. Looking to our own devices, our own means, trying to fix that brokenness in and around us. But we don't have all the answers, do we? We don't have the light we need to bring healing to our broken humanity. The light that's needed comes from the external. It needs to shine upon the darkness of our humanity. Think about it. We all know light is important, don't we? We all know light gives life. It's so valuable in our lives. And I was in London a few years ago. I don't know if you've ever been to London or the UK. Uh, I was there in, during winter. And in winter, it's depressing. Uh, I, I Googled on Friday, what time does the sun come up in London? And it comes up at 8 o'clock in winter, 8 a.m. in the morning. And it goes down at 4 p.m. in the afternoon. You've only got eight hours of sunlight when you're living over there during winter. The days are short. The nights are long. There's a lot of darkness. For many workers, I, 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 I hear over there, you go to work before the sun comes up and then you finish work after the sun goes down. It's so depressing. Days where you don't get to enjoy the light. You can imagine, it kind of sucks the life out of you. The light brings life. The light brings joy. But while, while that's talking about sunlight, there's a greater light that we all need. A light that will remove not just the darkness of the night, but remove the darkness, the spiritual darkness that exists in us. A light that comes from God. You see, back in Isaiah's time, they were waiting for one to come who will bring this light. They waited for hundreds of years. And now we today, in 2023, we can look back and we can see who Isaiah was speaking about, can't we? At Christmas time, isn't this the one that we celebrate? In the Bible, in John's Gospel, that's how Jesus is described. I've got it on the screen, John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. That Word, the light, that's Jesus. Remember what we read in Isaiah? The true light, uh, uh, the, the true light is, uh, I think verse 9, actually, sorry, I don't have that on the screen. Verse 9 in, in chapter 1 says, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. That's about Jesus. He's bringing light into the darkness. 
uh, from Isaiah, I think I've got Isaiah on the screen, do I? Isaiah um, 9 verse 6, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. He'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. At Christmas, we celebrate a child being born, the one who will bring light to the darkness. This is what the Bible is pointing us to. And these are his other titles, Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, Father to the Nations, a Prince who brings peace, everlasting power. For years, Israel looked towards this man who will bring light, the King who was to come, who will be given these titles. Isn't this Jesus? Isn't he the Wonderful Counselor because he knows us to our deepest core? He knows our souls, all our secrets, and far more. He knows us better than we know ourselves. In his humanity, he has walked that journey with us. He's felt every pain, every struggle that we have. He can relate to us in every way, but he's without sin. He's our wonderful counselor because he counsels our souls. The one who holds our hands in, in every hardship, who walks with us through every trial. He helps break the cycle of addiction we find ourselves in. He is that wonderful counselor who walks with us through the wind and the storms. But he's also the almighty God, the everlasting Father. It's a term used to, for Israel to express the God who is their creator, mighty in power and authority. You're like a loving father, protector and provider. And then there's that title, the Prince of Peace. In a world of conflict where we're all longing for peace externally and internally, the peace we need most is with God. We need a peace with God, a restored and reconciled relationship with Him. And so when Jesus is born to our world, born as a man, he comes to die to bring peace. We know the story in the gospel, don't we? Hopefully, if you're new with us, the story goes, his, his, he comes to our world to die on a cross. And through his death on the cross for us, he achieves peace for us. His perfect life was a substitute for us. And he brings through his death and his resurrection a divine peace between us and God that we need. That relationship that was broken because of sin, now that's restored. Where that's reconciled. He had to do that for us. We can now have a relationship with God. God can be our God. And there's nothing to fear when we know that. Because we can know that the almighty protector, provider has our back. We can lay everything, lay our anxieties at his feet. And so this Prince of Peace, while we live still in a world marked by fear and anger and hostility, one day Jesus will return and he'll bring peace eternally to our suffering world, uniting all nations under his reign and rule. There will be no more dividing wall, no more barrier, no more wrong, no more sin that separates us from God as well because the King, Jesus, has come and he's brought peace. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful news that we can enjoy peace as well today? Peace for our unsettled and anxious hearts. Peace knowing that we know God, get to know God. We get to have Him in our lives. And this God has tomorrow in His hands. Friends, a light has dawned. And with light, hope in the darkness. There are so many references to light in the Bible. You see around the time Jesus was conceived and His mother Mary was pregnant with Him, there was a, a man, a relative called Zechariah, and he said this about Jesus uh, in Luke chapter 1. He says, The rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. Jesus is the light. He's the Prince of Peace. You know, they're, they're looking forward to this and we get to look back at it. We can look back and see what Jesus has done and what he's accomplished for us. That's for all of us. For the rich and the poor, for the Asian, the Hispanic, the Aussie alike, for the elderly, for men and women, for children. 
we all get to have access to God through him because the light has come. He was born to us. And that's what Christmas is about. When we truly understand that, we'll truly grasp what this joy is at Christmas time anticipates because we'll get to know God, the one who is a source of joy himself, who brings the light and peace in him. Isn't this what Christmas is about? For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. We've received that gift already, and it's the best gift ever. The presents, are, the presents at Christmas are nice, but most of us here are adults. I was reading memes like, you know, as an adult, you can buy presents for yourself, right? That's true. We, we don't need, we, this, it's special, but it's more special when you get to see the kids open, and that's what that, that, that journalist was talking about. Where is the joy for adults these days? You see, when you come to Jesus, there's a joy that doesn't sway with the seasons of life, that doesn't come and go each December. We look at the joy we get from family, friends, and presents, and that's all good and all, but presents and gifts, they're just material things that accumulate to become trash in a few years' time. The same family or loved ones that give us joy are also the same people who know how to push our buttons the most, let's be honest. Friends forget to invite you to their gatherings. Family reunions can be stressful and overwhelming. Yet being alone, we don't want that either. Loneliness is amplified even more on Christmas Day. I was scrolling the other day on Instagram and Queensland Health, they released this um, post about how, you know, if it's not good for your mental health, avoid social media throughout the Christmas time. You should be caring for yourself. If If it doesn't give you joy, get off social media. Good advice. But there's also somewhere else we can find joy. I wish I could tell them that. Because joy, that loneliness will still be there post-Christmas, won't it? Difficult, strained relationships, they'll still be there. Loss and heartbreak, it robs us of joy. When I was reading that article um, that I mentioned earlier from The Guardian, he gives a solution later in the article, where to find joy in this life. This is what he says. As the 25th of December nears, it's hard to know where to find beauty and meaning, let alone any joy. Best in these circumstances, I often think, to look to the universe to the stars and the moon for comfort. That's his answer. Look to the stars and the moon for comfort. Almost sounds like a horoscope reading, hey? Look at what's out there for comfort. Look at what, what's out there. Look to the things around you. you might, he might as well say, look to your new phone, your car, your big screen TV. Just look to the things around you for your joy, for your comfort. Look at what's been created and enjoy the process of just living in this world. It's a bit disappointing to hear, isn't it? A bit of a cop-out. Just deal with it. And remember, you're just a small part of being in a big universe. Just be thankful that you're alive at all. That's what it sounds like. Man, what a downer. Is that the reality check that we, our world needs to hear during Christmas time? You know, for my unchurched friends and my non-religious friends, my non-Christian friends, deep down, that's the answer for them too. Look around. Just appreciate what you do have. And that will bring some comfort to you. Get the, enjoy the moon and the stars. That should be enough, shouldn't it? The message we keep hearing is to look to joy from the world. But friends, Christmas is about how joy has come to the world. That's what Christmas, that's what the, 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 I guess our secular world has got wrong about Christmas. It's not look about looking to joy from the world, but the one who brings joy to the world. And this is indeed the declaration that was given from the angels. At the birth of Jesus, out in the fields, the shepherds were there, the angels appeared that faithful and extraordinary night. 
Luke chapter 2, verse 10, it says this, The angel said to the shepherds, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And Christmas tells us of a greater story, doesn't it? And a greater gift that we have. As amazing as looking up to the stars is, let's look to the one who the stars are pointing to. We can have a joy in the gift of Jesus who was born into our world on Christmas Day. He is the good news. He is our light, our hope, our peace. Look to him for our source of joy because through him we have life and light with God. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you that he was born this Christmas Day. We get to celebrate his birth. And we know, Lord, that his birth wasn't just coming to, to be a baby in our world, but to come and to die on the cross for us that through his life, through his sacrifice, we have life now with you. The light has dawned upon the darkness, and we see that. We see the hope that we have, that he is the Prince of Peace. We have peace now with you. And we pray, Lord, as we, uh, as we some of us here who, who are still working out who you are, who, who Jesus is, I pray, Lord, that you will shine your light upon their hearts. You'll open their eyes to who, the, to who Jesus is in the gospel. But for many of us here who, who do know Jesus already, I pray, Lord, that you'll continue to encourage our hearts to show us where joy is truly found. Joy is found in Jesus. Help us to hold on to that truth, anchor in that truth as we live out the Christian life. In Jesus' name, amen.